0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning and again, welcome to Glory Church Online. It is so good to have you guys join in again with us this morning. Maybe you are watching with your small group. Thank you so much for joining in. It is good to have you. If you haven't yet, I encourage you right now, where you are, to uh, open up your Facebook page, find this morning's service link. Maybe you're watching on an Apple TV, but on your Facebook, what would it be like for you to share this morning's service? You cannot imagine how many people would watch just because they saw that you shared it. So, Glory family, where you are, I encourage you engage in this morning's message. If you are maybe watching for the first time or listening on the podcast, uh, my name is Greg McKinney, and my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and as you can tell right now, uh, we are a a strictly online church. We have been for the past few weeks, Uh, we were meeting at the Linwood YMC. Here in the city, which is now a vaccine clinic. And for those who are uh, Glory family members, as you've probably figured out by now, I am not filming in our Glory Church offices. We have offices right on Troost Avenue and I'm not filming there. I am actually filming in this place, uh, the building that I have told you guys all about. Um, This is a building, maybe you're new to Glory Church, uh, we are looking to lease to own this space, being able to turn it into a church building as well as an event space uh, for the community to use. I mean look at it, it's beautiful. I'm excited, though, um, and it's, it's a little timely for me to be in here right now because uh, just quickly for you to know, a year ago on this Sunday, it was March 22nd, which was my birthday, March 22nd of 2020, it was a Sunday, and it was our first online service where we filmed in here our first service online, and it was during the pandemic. And if you know anything about Glory Church, uh, we launched seven weeks before the pandemic hit, and then we became an online church, just like every other church uh, in America. And here we were, we filmed Easter in this building. We filmed uh, so many services in this building before we were able to meet back at the YMCA. And it has been literally a year to today since we have been able to do ministry in this building, and I cannot wait to see what is to come. You see, we are right now, Troost Avenue is right out there, and uh, we are on the 31st block of Troost. It is a building that I've been praying about, guys, for years. Uh, I've, I've known about this space for two and a half years. If you know anything, about Troost Avenue on the 31st block. Uh, It is getting redeveloped and renovated. And I'll just tell you, my vision is, I mean, there's a whole lot of ups and downs and goods and bads with redevelopment. Maybe you've heard about the truest Market, Truist Midtown, and some people are, are afraid of the gentrification that will come. Um, and I will say, when all of these heartaches and issues come and, and a city wants to redevelop and, and rejuvenate a part of the city, one thing we know as Christ followers is that restoration is only made possible through the blood of Jesus. And that, that is one of the, the most exciting things about all of this is sure there's redevelopment and restoration work going on in this city, but we wanna be in the center of it, providing real restoration. Because the Holy Spirit is the only avenue to true freedom and I cannot wait for the, the possibility of being here one day. Well, as you've heard by now, we are in online until Easter and Easter Sunday is going to be a great one. We have rented a, um, a tent as well as Gillum Park and we're going to be in person again, but I just want to cast this vision of this space for you. Maybe you've heard about what this means for us monthly. I mean, our goal used to be $6,000 a month as a church uh, and that would cover our rent at the YMCA that covered uh, both our ministry expenses as well as our rent at the offices and our outreach budget. And we have asked as a church to up that to $9,000 a month. And that may sound scary, but it'll allow us to lease to own this building, as well as put a savings and as well as giving to our organization that plants churches all over America. And you can be a part of it. And so as we get into this morning, I'll be honest, we are diving into week five of our miracle study, and we're talking all about refocusing, refocusing our faith and seeing what God can do because of it. And maybe your giving can be an element where you refocus a bit and see what God can do through it. Maybe that that means giving for the first time, as Gabby had mentioned, or maybe it means looking at the gift that you have been giving consistently to Glory Church and seeing if, if you can be stretched, if God is asking you to do. More and I cannot wait to see what will happen uh, with this building. I will tell you uh, after Easter Sunday, we will be back in person and we won't be back in person in here yet. All right, but we have found a temporary home for us to be in, so stay tuned for that. But this morning, We're talking all about refocusing, because there's one thing that I know when we change locations, when we change locations as a church, we've had to refocus a bit, but when you change locations as a job or or when the new day comes, when anything new arrives, when you change scenarios or when you change plans, when you move out of old sin patterns, every bit of those changes demand for you to refocus, for you to tighten the lens up a little bit. It's interesting, uh, Kate and I have been watching PBS uh, Masterpieces, Mysteries, and you can judge me all, all you want, but there are some good British TV on that. And so we've been watching mystery shows, and most of them are dated in the you know uh, late 1800s to the early 1900s. And all of their photography is so funny. It cracks me up. Uh, when when someone has died, obviously, they take the picture of the body. But the uh, the tripod system that this camera uses, the, the level of time it takes to focus on the body, we forget. Uh, if you know anything about the old cameras, they have that huge light. It flashes. The smoke comes up. And then the, the man under the little cloth just prays to God that it is... It is clear and focused, because one thing that we take advantage of is this camera I'm using right now has the autofocus where literally I can move and there is a square following my face to make sure that I am clear and everything behind me then is a little bit blurry. And we sometimes get in this idea, this, this mindset that we expect our faith to do the same, that something changes or we, we instantly have to re and pivot again or, or, or these sin patterns come up or this obstacle arises and we expect our faith to be able to autofocus focus onto Jesus. And that's just not how it is. In fact, with every step we take, there is a new focus, a refocus that has to come. And that's exactly what we are talking about this morning, that maybe there is something blurry in, your, in the forefront of your heart, your mind, that God is wanting you to, to focus on so that you can see it's not as scary as you think it is. But the word focus, to refocus, it might sound strange, but it is really fitting this morning. To refocus is just to remember the main focus, to remember the main thing. What is the main thing in your life? And as we get into what faith looks like, it's really powerful. Last week, I told you that miracles are the fruit of mercy. Do you remember that? That miracles are the literal the, the literal fruit, the product of God's great mercy, his desire to rewrite all the sin in this world, the desire to take a storm away and leave peace, the desire to take and remove blindness and leave sight. It's his mercy. And as we get into this morning, we're talking about faith. And I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, we are now what, in week five of studying Jesus's miracles. Every Monday through Friday, we've been diving into a new miracle. And have you noticed how much uh, he, he speaks of faith, how much Jesus talks of faith? I mean, they seem to go hand in hand. Paul says that God's gifts, maybe it's the gifts of the Spirit, God's gifts, his mercy, that it is given to us in accordance to our faith, according to the level of our faith. Now, some of you may say, well, that, that feels a little favoritist. Like, that, is God showing favoritism in doing that, that, that they get that gift and then that other person gets that one? Like, where's, where's equality in that? But literally, God's goodness, his gifts cannot mesh with a heart that is unfaithful. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Think about throughout scripture, every single time that Jesus heals someone, the moment before it, he says, your faith has made you well, or the faith of your friends to the paralyzed man has made you well, or the faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain that it deals with faith and a very personal version of faith in that. And so as we get into this morning, we're going to be diving into faith. It's the whole mixing of of oil and water. I mean, you, you can't say that oil is showing favoritism when it doesn't blend with water, right? That doesn't make sense. Oil just is a different property than water. And so too is God's miracles, it's a different property than the, the fallen world. And as we grow in faith in him, we will have to come to realize that, that our faith will demand a refocus. Every single step, at every place, at every, every hardship, we got to refocus. And to refocus, as I said, it's that whole uh, to remembering our focus. The writer of Hebrews says, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Maybe you love that verse. Literally, he's saying, as I take this step, as I run ahead, my focal point is not on that, not on this, not on what's behind me, but on Jesus. And with every step, I refocus, I fix my eyes consistently on him who is able And as he continues, he says, because for the joy that is set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Jesus scorned its shame and, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So with every step, I will consider him. Consider him who has endured such hostility from sinners so that I will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, you can always tell when you're struggling to refocus. You're struggling to refocus your faith when you lose heart. When you grow weary, and I'll be honest, those of you who know me well, you know that I I am a man who loves to uh, have all the answers, especially as we, I lead now 60 to 80 individuals in this church. Kate and I, we lead, and, and the moment that the YMCA shut its doors to us, I mean, everyone was looking for us to have an answer. And I will tell you, if I was not refocused, if I did not focus on the Lord, and trust me, I've had some hard days where I haven't. But if I did not focus on the Lord, I would grow quickly in weariness. I would grow in tiredness because I can very easily focus on um, what won't happen now that we're online, of the level of growth that maybe isn't happening because we don't have a place that we're physically meeting right now. I could I could grow weary on all the unanswered questions, all of the what-ifs concerning this place right here, and I could grow weary of it if my focus isn't on Jesus. We have to focus On Jesus, on my mom's tombstone, it says John 14, 1. And it's a powerful passage. It was underlined in her Bible, highlighted. And John 14, 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God and trust also in me. It's the statement that Jesus speaks to his disciples the night that he was betrayed. The night before he's about to die and hang on a cross. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. So as we dive into this, I'm going to ask you to trust in Jesus. We're going to read a passage in a second that if if you have unfaith-filled heart and unfaith-filled eyes, you're going to take him and twist his motive in this passage. You're going to be upset. An unfocused heart will forget who Jesus is and be appalled by how he seems to be acting, and so we can't do that this morning. But with a heart that is focused on him, I'm going to learn. We're going to learn what real faith is. We're gonna open up to Matthew 15 in a second, and I'm going to teach from a a passage, one of the miracles that we read this past week. It was from day 20, that when we wrote the miracle study, I was taken aback by this miracle. I was it has become one of my favorite because it, it shocked me so much. I was not prepared to learn from this miracle so much, but it is a powerful one and and unbelief could spiral you down into anger or bitterness towards jesus but we're going to learn from the woman in the story who instead of unbelief she presses in in more faith she 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 keeps her eyes focused on her the author and perfecter of her faith so we're going to see very quickly that refocusing does a few things number one it, it gives us clarity on who god is and I'll tell you, as we are in this limbo state, I, I need to gain clarity. We need to gain clarity this, in our church of who God really is. Refocusing our faith on every step, it also gives us clarity on who we are. It allows us to have a clear picture of ourself so we don't, aren't, aren't too arrogant, we aren't boastful, we aren't doubtful. But we have a right view of ourselves. And lastly, refocusing our faith, it gives us a clear view of everything and everyone around us. So like this woman we're about to read about, we can deal with distraction, deal with uh, persecution, we can deal with seemingly disencouraging things in a right manner. We could press in on the one who is present, the one who is there. And so as you open up to Matthew 15, if you don't have it, it will be at the bottom of the screen. But as you get ready to lean in on this, I just want to give you a preface. Um, This text is in the the bulk of of stories when Jesus has already angered the Pharisees to the point where they're ready to kill him. So this is a part, this is Matthew 15, that he will die in Matthew 19. So the Pharisees' anger is boiling up. And this is a part of the story where he has run away. He has escaped their wrath-filled questions and has hidden in a town called Tyre. And it's very interesting because Mark's version of this says that he actually has hidden in a home. And verbatim, Mark writes that he does not want his presence known. Jesus is trying to escape and just be alone. And so the story picks up In Matthew 15, verse 21, it says, Jesus left that place where the Pharisees were and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And then a Canaanite woman from that region came out to where he was and started shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, for my daughter is tormented by a demon. Tormented. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a child who has been tormented by a demon. Maybe you've had a child who has been sick. Maybe you've had a child and this something has happened in your life that you're just out of control and you have no control over. I remember when Jack, our now seven and a half year old, I remember when he, uh, he struggled to sleep. And uh, he struggled to sleep to the point where, where for a whole year and a half, he had night terrors after night terrors after night terrors. And it was so difficult. Uh, and, and I just remember aching, God, listen to us, hear us. Maybe you lost a job and you're like, God, how could you have done this? What's going on, Jesus? I need answers. And you come to him with this plea, this heartfelt shouting plea. I don't know if you've ever been there, but this is what happens in the story. Verse 23 says, but Jesus did not answer at all. Hold up. He, he didn't answer at all. So this woman is screaming, making a mess of things, and he's not answering. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but, but it feels like Jesus is ignoring her. I mean, what do you do when a plea, a cry, a shout seems to fall on deaf ears from our God? Maybe you've been there before. I surely have. I mean, the whole story of Glory Church had, has felt like that in some sense. I, I, for the longest time, felt this this urge to plant a church, this urge to to be a lead pastor, and I was afraid of it. At the same time, I was a youth pastor for seven and a half years, and I just felt God was calling him, calling me to do that. He was saying, "Follow me." The whole time I was like, okay, God, if you just tell me where to go, if you just give me the location, and I would ask this, and it was like I was constantly pleading, and he was not answering me. Maybe you feel like that. You have asked the same question, and it feels like it's just not going anywhere. It's so interesting because I don't want to spoil the ending, but soon enough, Jesus will look to this woman and say, your faith is great. Now, I don't know about you, But it doesn't seem like silence should be the way that you respond to someone who has great faith. If for some reason God is doing it, and I will tell you the reason why is because this story, just like many stories in the Bible that have come before it, the story showcases that that faith needs to be refocused, that, that Jesus is there. In fact, it tells us, it teaches us that faith does not always feel like faith. And this is a story, and as we get into this, it's not going to look or feel like faith. Sometimes we expect faith, like this autofocus faith, we expect it to be clean, we expect it to be jolly and joyous and comforting, we expect faith to be happy, and sometimes it is. But other times, it feels like it's wrecking you. It's heavy, it's weighted. You don't know why you had to go through that. You don't know why they had to die. You don't know why this is having to feel like this. And you're screaming for answers and there's no answer at all. Faith doesn't always feel like faith. And most theologians at this point would say that this woman is still outside. She's still outside screaming. So odds are dogs are barking. Lanterns are being lit. People are being annoyed. And she is shouting. Faith doesn't feel like faith when you're outside of a house hoping that the the god of the universe is really in there and is caring about you yet he's not doing anything doesn't always feel like faith when that's your reality but the story continues it says, and his disciples came to him and urged, can you send her away? For she keeps shouting after us. Send her away. The Greek here, it doesn't mean uh, send her away so that uh, just toss her out so that she leaves us alone. It literally means give her what she wants so she leaves us alone. Send her away, heal her daughter. In other words, take your mercy, Jesus. That, that should be miraculous mercy and just you know, downgrade it to pity. Because, like, we matter more, and we came here to be unseen, and she's ruining it. So just send her on her way. Now, I'll tell you, this may come as really blunt, but it is a nasty thing when godly people—I need you to hear me—it's a nasty thing when godly people get annoyed at the consistent and, and prayerful need of hurting people. And I think we do this a lot as church people, good church people. We get so frustrated when people seem to be dealing with the same issues, the same problems after one another, and we're just like out of pity. God, just do it for them so they leave me alone. I'll give them this handout so they go along their way. They've just been praying the same thing, and you're not doing anything about it, and it's annoyance. It's really interesting to see that the disciples were focusing more on themselves than Jesus too. They were focusing. I mean, that's not faith. They were focusing on their schedule, their comfort. Uh, they they had to focus on behavior. She's not doing this right. To fix her. And it's so interesting that that's not the way that it goes i will tell you i have people in my life to this day who've known about this vision of of a church that that is sustained by a a business on the side that will handle the rent so that the money the money coming in from the church can go out to do ministry real life work in a city and i've shared this vision and people have been like just get over it greg it's not going to happen because god hasn't made it happen yet Some people know that I've loved this building for two and a half years, and from the outside, they're like, you're still caring about the same space? Why? Why? And sometimes the annoyance of faithful people can distract us. But instead of running downward, we see something else from this woman. But Jesus responds again to the disciples with another loud no. He says this, Jesus answers the disciples, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words my main purpose right now is to care and tend for the jew the jewish people and she is not one it's not for her i can't tell you how many times i have had a seemingly no in my life and good faithful people are just like well greg it just wasn't a thing but this woman knows deep down that faith is not built on that. Faith is built on focusing on Jesus. And so the, her posture is, is powerful. Maybe for you, you, you are to the point where you're just like, Jesus is acting strange. He's not for her. He's not for her. Like that's not the Jesus that I signed up for. And some of you, your, your, your unfocused heart when God seems to say no, leaves you wallowing down in weariness. But she has the opposite where maybe you wanna be distant with this version of Jesus, she comes in closer, much closer. The story says that she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me, Lord, she says again. She came in, I mean, no one told us that, but she came into a door, into the home, and is now saying, Lord, help me on her knees, praying this, notice the posture change there. It's from this distant, Screams to now a very present and submissive prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I don't know if if you have been to this place, but faith doesn't always feel like faith when you now are walking in on a place where you're not wanted, yet you find the God who is there and you, you trust that He cares. And so you go to His knee, on your knees, and plea. And He answers her, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Now, if you're reading this on your own, you'd probably been appalled by what Jesus just said. I mean, Jesus just called this woman a dog. It's not fair to take the the children's food, those who are Jewish, and then hand it to the dog, the dogs. And in this day and age like I mean this is huge what is happening I mean in our mindset we can see from the outside and get very appalled by this like discouraging thing is Jesus demeaning her I mean this can get ethnically wrong like this can get a little racial tension it's it's a very tense moment to the Jews the Gentiles were called dogs and now Jesus seems to be speaking something so demeaning so demeaning but Faith does not always feel like faith. And I love that Jesus knows this woman and her, the quality, the, the quality of her heart, because she responds in a way unlike you and me. And it is so powerful because for some reason, when we refocus, that which should be discouraging is actually encouraging. And she sees the moment for her to seize this, for her to, to say something to the Lord that shows that she has immense faith. So she looks at him and she says, yes, Lord, I agree, I'm a dog. But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. You see, she refocuses her lens because she needs to see Jesus correctly. And sometimes on a weary heart, out of focused self, we can see him as this God who is being silent. But as she refocuses, she reminds her heart of how great and grandeur God is and that she is unworthy in his presence to be there. I'm like a dog. I get it. I'm not of the Jewish faith. I don't have the lineage. I've never been a Yahweh follower. I'm not of the bloodline. But even the dogs, they, they feed of the crumbs off of the master's table. And I don't know if you realize this, but she says their master's table. In other words, she's saying, I'm a dog and I'm placing myself in your kingdom. Like, you are my master. And even the dogs get the crumbs from their master's table. And I, I'm a crumb. Like, I, I'm the dog who's needy of it. And it says, Jesus answered her, woman. Here's the beautiful part. Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed immediately, it says. In other words, the refocusing, And when she presses in, when God is silent and she moves in, when God says no, yet she moves in, when she pushes deeper and she goes more present and she submits more. There's this moment when her refocused heart sees clearly, I am unworthy to be in this place. I've seen him clearly, Jesus. I've seen myself clearly, I am like a dog. In light of this, but I've also seen everything clearly. And and I realize that even a crumb of your glory will be great enough, will be good enough to heal my daughter. Like that is beautiful. That is faith to believe that even the leftovers off of the table is more than enough to heal and redeem her daughter. That's beautiful. Jesus knew this is the heart that possesses great faith go, like whatever you wish will happen. And this is what I want to lean in as a church. When God feels distant, we press in more. Why? Because the story is not about us. It's about Him. And for some reason, in God's big scope of things, He knows that we are able. He knows that we have the faith to refocus and see Him. And Honestly, we're not worthy of it anyways. So we go in deeper when it feels like he's being silent, when it feels like there's a no, we figure, find out more to submit to him, more to surrender. When it seems like everything is going against us, we press in to the savior more. Faith does not always feel like faith. Like the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel in scripture. Faith didn't feel like faith as that angel broke his hip. But on the other side of it, a miracle happens. Jacob is rece- given a new name. He is, he is forgiven and have re- there's redemption for him in his life. Abraham, it didn't feel like faith when Abraham was told by God to go kill his son. Yet every step to that place, that mountaintop, was a showcasing to God that I am in this for you. I'm fixating my eyes on you. You are my Savior, my God. And a miracle happens. God provides a ram to sacrifice instead of his son. The same thing is happening with this woman. God sees, Jesus sees the the intentionality of her heart, the faith of her heart, and proves it to be true. You see, when God feels silent, this is a powerful moment to prove or even improve your faith, to refocus on him who is able a faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. This woman, she, profess, she proclaims this faith the size of a mustard seed, this reality that God, the mountain in front of me is too grand for me. But you are bigger. I have a clear picture of you, Jesus. You can do this. And I also realize that I am nothing, nothing in comparison to that mountain, that demon. I can't do anything to make it go away. And I'm also nothing in comparison to you. But from this clarity of focus, I can see that you are more than able to handle it. So do it, please, Lord. Will you? Will you? And it is from this that I want to end this morning. Because I don't know where your heart has been. I don't know where your life has been. I don't know the questions, the prayers, the pleas that you've had for God. Maybe you have left them behind because of how silent he is. Maybe this is a powerful moment for you to not turn away and grow weary, but instead fixate your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of your faith. When he feels silent, I push in more. Miss Rhonda in our church told me once, push. Uh, She's probably screaming right now where she is. She says, pray until something happens, and this is a powerful moment for you to do so. Refocus. Pray until something happens. Push forward. You're outside of that house screaming, you push inward. You're you're at his knees and nothing is happening. You give in more. You surrender more, you push. And I believe great things are in store. I'm pushing for God to do something. If not this place, then somewhere. I believe it. But glory family, as we close this morning, I'm going to pray for you. And and I believe God is going to do a work, a a powerful work in your life. Lord, we we come to you and surrender. God, I pray for a heart that pushes forward, that prays until something happens. Even if it is, is not what we expected, even if it's more than we expected, God, I lean in and I surrender. I pray that we could be a church of mercy, a church of faith, a church where miracles are proclaimed in this city, all because we keep our eyes focused on you. So refocus us. Remind us of who is the focus. You. Your glory. Your power and honor. And I pray that great things come because of it. Not not of our own doing, but strictly of yours. I pray this in your name and your name only. Amen. Glory family, right where you are, I encourage you to dive into this. Maybe if you're alone, have a prayer time with the Lord. Maybe this is your moment to refocus. If you're with a small group, Talk through what this lack of focus has done to your heart. How you've grown weary in the past, how this new stage that you're in demands for a new focus and pray for each other through it. How can you speak truth to one another right where you're at? And glory family, as I've said before, we will be back in person in Easter and on, and I cannot wait to be with you. But next Sunday will be our last online service for a while, hopefully for a long time. Uh, it will be Palm Sunday, and it is the start of Holy Week, and I am so excited. Palm Sunday is a powerful time to praise the Lord Hosanna, the King in the highest. And so I cannot wait to join you on Palm Sunday. And then every day of the week that week, join us in our offices. If we're waking up that early to, to, to pray and teach and worship, then I encourage you to do so too. Be with us in person or online every Monday through Saturday that week. And I just cannot wait to see what God's going to do. I love you guys. Let me know if you need anything. Uh, and I will see you again next week at Glory Church Online. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.